We are live, and Scott Stewart's already in the chat asking questions. Shocking. Replay viewer, thank you for being here, uh, watching the replay, and liking and subscribing and retweeting it. We wish you were here live. Join us next Sunday night. You can do that, or Monday night, excuse me. It's Monday, March 8th. This is the players. We got a guest. We got a good pod. It's exciting. I'm really ready to go here. Let's do it. Let's just play this music. <laughs> Everybody, I'm Chad Eckert, and that's Joe Idoni, and this is the Preferred Lines podcast, and it is the p -p 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 players. Oh yeah, we're cracking beers like we do every Monday night, streaming live on the internet, on Twitch, on Periscope, on YouTube. Chat along with us because tonight we've got a guest who wants to answer your questions, and he might actually be able to provide you answers to some questions. It's great. Will, we'll ask it. We're going to get to you in a second. But before we do, we have to get to our friends at the Jock Market. We know you know them. Your podcast also presented in partnership with the men at the Jock Market. How's that going? How Have you been playing on this? I don't know if you're able to. Are you able to? I'm not. I'm in Indiana. And so sadly, I've been just cashing free money and the free contest that gets smaller and smaller and smaller every week. So now that I have my little bit of uh, windfall, as I like to joke with Dave and the guys over there, I was like, I wanted to give the money back. It just didn't feel right in those first couple of weeks making money. <laughs> but yeah, until Indiana, I've heard to all my friends in Indiana that it's coming soon. So that would be really exciting because when that does, I'm ready. Although I was really happy because last week uh, I like value picks in the jock market. I like lots of shares on low buy guys that can make the cut, not necessarily the big get time guys. And if I had put my own money into the market last week, I would have gotten run right out of Bay Hill. So I'm, I'm happy right now that we're still not totally legal here yet because last week was brutal for me and my uh, my flyer picks. So we'll see. Okay. Well, I didn't win the jock market last week. I still profited. Joe, did you do well on the market? Oh, I was – Will, I felt your pain. I got oh. absolutely hammered. Had my worst week on there, um, culminated by Justin Rose, who just decided to oh. walk off the course. So – it was a bloodbath out there for me, but that's the kind of week it was. But the beauty of PGA Tour Golf, new week, new course, let's roll. And Joe, we're going to give people money to play on the jock market. If yeah. you're chatting along live, we're going to have a little thing for you. You're going to chat with your favorite moment so far of the Preferred Lines podcast. It's almost been a full year of us doing this every Monday, and we've had some guests on. We've had some fun. You've probably seen us do some fun stuff. I wore a chicken suit when Joe won almost $150,000 or whatever Ooh. it was. Uh, it was fun. We've had some fun. So you out there, chat along with the comment of your favorite moments so far the pod and your jock game, and then halfway through the pod at the turn, when we kick Will off, we're going to pick somebody to win 20 bucks. And then at the end of the pod, we'll pick another person to win 20 bucks. So bring the heat with your favorite moment and you will maybe get picked by Joe and I at the turn and at the end of the pod. Make sense? Love it. Big fans of the jock market over here. Will was actually one of the first guys that kind of introduced Rick into it. Our guy, Dave, let me know. I think Dave may be uh, with us here tonight. So we're pumped about it. They're on a crazy, ridiculous trajectory right now, and um, it's just really cool to see, and we're happy to be along for the ride. But first, 
Uh, before we get into that and give away some money, uh, we're going to talk to Will. So, Will, this is what we call our front nine segment. Ooh. Um, essentially, what we do here is Chad and I will rapid fire questions at you, sort of back and forth, all things, um, you know, some strategy related, some course history stuff, and then we'll dive right into the players. Does that sound cool with you? Yeah, cool with me. And you don't have to kick me off, guys. I'm, I'm in it for the long haul if you need me. Love so, I'm, I'm, I give the people what they want. Let's go. Okay, well, if you're here, chat along. I see a few people in here already. We need your questions, but we got questions. Um, This is the interview process. It's a quick one. We're going back and forth, a little rapid fire. It's very well planned out, apparently. You know, producer Chad here. getting. I got the notes. Will, okay, you're a real guy that has a job with the PGA Tour. Uh, also, more importantly, you are a new dad. So you fit, or not a new dad, but you're a dad. So you fit into the pod. We had a new dad on last week. That's where I got confused with uh, Luke last week. Stepping on Legos. It's part of the game here on the Preferred Lines podcast. We both have boys, four years old. So we know how it goes. Yeah. And I'm actually in a really happy place right now because my 10 year old has built a bunch of really crazy Lego sets like the Millennium Falcon. Ewok Village has gone through the whole Star Wars thing. And it started to take up so much shelf space around the house that I sort of wonder what's going on. And the other day he said, you know what, Dad? Eventually I'm going to have to break down some of these things. And it's cool because I, I need some of the cool pieces from that to build some of the new things that he's doing. So it's like a double win right now in this house because we're not worried about where we're going to put all the completed sets. We're going to be able to tear them apart. And he's flexing the imagination. So right now I'm in like kind of Lego Zen mode right now as a dad. And that is totally good with me right now because I mean, we've got a giant, my dad's a car guy. So grandpa's been getting all these giant Porsche Lego sets, you know, 1400, 1800 piece sets. Cool. I don't have the shelf Ooh. space for this crap. So finding a way to, to be able to get it into something else has been huge. So we're finally breaking ourselves from once you build it, you can't let your sister play with it kind of mode. And we're getting into, you know, Lego movie two, where they collaborate and work together as siblings for all the people out there that are fully immersed in Lego culture. <laughs> Got it. All I know is that stepping on a Lego is not a fun time. I did that no. and I had to limp a few for a few days. So that was not fun. All right, Joe, t- tell him what he's in for. So we kind of, we kind of let him know. Um, we're just going to shoot, right? Okay. Chad, why don't you hit him off with the first question? Uh, and then I'll go right after you. All right. Well, we, you know, we're not used to having real people on. Give us a little bit of a background. I mean, you've done Final Fours. You've done the Masters. You're on PGA Tour Radio almost each and every weekend. What's uh, How did you get there? Who are you? And Tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah, wow. How much time do you have for the pod? Um, I started. <laughs> I knew I wanted to be a broadcaster when I was 13 years old. I said, I'm going to be a sports broadcaster. I was an athlete. Uh, well, I say athlete, but I was playing a lot of sports. And I'm six feet tall and I was six feet tall when I was 12 and I'm six feet tall now when I'm 40. So all of a sudden the athletic career was kind of like, and it was pick up a microphone and figure out what the next best way is to get into stay into sports. And so it's, you know, some people say, you know, they admire the drive from an early age. I just say I'm a sucker who just picked one thing and I've been too blind to think about anything else to do. So yeah, I've broadcast 14 different sports professionally. I went about it in a little bit different path. I stayed here in Indianapolis where I was born and raised and kind of worked a lot of odd jobs and moonlighted as a broadcaster. And then I would say sort of my big break was I was doing a lot of college sports for the NCAA. This idea of sports on the internet was a wild idea in the mid 2000s. And then all of a sudden, look at here we are and everything's on the internet. And so we were doing a ton of sports that for that, I got recognized for some of the golf work because I did grow up playing golf. 
Um, I was a junior golfer. I probably could have played in college. I was a club professional actually for a couple of years out of college just to pay the bills while I was moonlighting in the broadcasting side of things. I've always been around the sport and that led me into calling a lot of college golf. So I broadcast the NCAA championships before they were on Golf Channel for about seven years, both the men's and the women's division one championships were on NCAA.com. And that got me noticed a little bit. Next thing I know, I'm doing featured group at the PGA Championship for Turner Sports. And I met a lot of people that were on PGA Tour Radio, and that's kind of what led me down this path. And so I always thought I was a sports guy. And I guess it's either I'm either really bad at the other sports and good at golf, or it's just I've found a way to golf because of what's available out there. And that's where I am today. And so, yeah, this community that you guys are certainly a part of is great because no matter what the sport is that I'm doing, I called two basketball games today, hashtag champ week on ESPN. So, I mean, I, I ripped the suit off right before, you know, doing this thing after coming back from two, doing two games today on ESPN. And, and it was just, um, you know, I used stats, I used analytics, I used everything to tell the story of the game. And there's no sport that does a better job of weaving in data and stats to understand not just predictive analysis, but even reactive analysis. From a play by play standpoint, I love all the data. I love all the stats. And that's kind of where, I dipped my toe into the podcasting space. I met all you fine folks who have been using this data, little did I know, to make a crap ton of money, which is pretty fun. <laughs> we try. We try. But you <laughs> know, pretty it, it's funny that you said you kind of have a background in golf because it comes across uh, very natural when you're calling golf, like not forced at all. And I can't say that sort of about everyone that we listen to. Um, but you're right there for the most part when you're covering these groups with PGA Tour Radio, oftentimes right there in the heat of the action, inside the ropes with these groups. Give us sort of, I guess, your favorite story from inside the ropes, whether it be like a player-caddy combo or or something that uh, always comes to mind. Man, that's a great one. You know, I uh, it's been weird for the last year because we haven't had fans. And typically to me, it's, you know, all of the, the great interactions or the energy. And from a logistical standpoint, I'll be totally honest, the last year has been super easy. I mean, you drive to the course, there's no traffic, you get to where you need to go, you drive your cart up to the group you need to do, you get in, you get out, you go back and you go back to your hotel room, eat some dinner and rinse and repeat the next day. And so this week I'll be on site at the players and we'll have fans again. And it was the last time I was at a tournament that really had legitimate fans was this tournament on Thursday a year ago. I mean, we're in that year vortex right now, right? We're remembering what happened, where we were, what was going on when it went mm -hmm. down. And so it's been weird because now the interaction has been really from a distance because the problem is when you're a broadcaster on radio, you have to talk while the guy's taking the club back and getting ready to hit. So I can't yeah. be on top of those guys when they're hitting. And I have back, we, we all have backed off guys before. Um, it happened to me a couple of times in the last four or five months. Most of the dudes are pretty cool about it because most of them understand what we're there to do. Uh, a lot of times the caddy protecting a little bit more, they'll come up to you and be like, Hey, Will, we heard you back there. And I'm like, Oh shit. Like, I'm sorry guys. Like sure, I had no sure. idea that, you know, I was within earshot. Um, you know, I had one guy kind of give me a hard time about it. And then three holes later, uh, probably one of my favorite stories, I'm not going to name names, but the, one of the other players in the group came up to me on a tee box and he was just like, Hey, Will, how's it going? I was like, Oh, it's pretty good, man. But I can't believe I backed so-and-so off back there on the green. And he looks and he goes, dude, don't worry. He hears everything and it drives us all crazy. <laughs> so that was, you know, that's one of the best when it's like, they kind of understand that we're all out there trying to do a job a little bit, but I mean, there's been so many great memories. I mean, I was at the deer when Jordan Spieth won for the first time and I called his national championship. So I always sort of feel like I've been a lockstep in a lot of things that he's done. My first master's on site was the master's he won in 2015. Um, but you okay. know, every year it feels like has, has incredible stories. Um, 
man, but like individual ones that stick out are more just the moments, like the, the incredible shots. I mean, the DJ and Rom back and forth putts at BMW last year oh. are probably the most recent in mind to just how crazy that was. And, and I wish we'd had, you know, 5,000 grandstands around the 18th green to be able to experience it that. But, you know, it's, yeah, it's always the moments. It's the chip-ins, it's the hole-outs. It's, you know, seeing enough golf shots now that when there's still a shot that you see that just blows your mind, that's the stuff that always gets me. And I've probably called more Justin Thomas golf than anybody else in our crew. I've kind mm -hmm. of been linked to him through the years. So I feel like anytime there's a big highlight in his world, mm -hmm. you know, I've, I've been in a lot of those tournaments. So, you know, last year when he won in Memphis, he had a shot on 16, the par five, where he had to clip it off of a downhill lie out of the first cut to that back left hole. And he hit like this little three skipper that checked and stopped within two or three feet. And those are the shots where it's like, okay, I can understand a guy who hits, you know, an eight iron, 190 yards. It doesn't, that doesn't surprise me or shock me anymore. It's those feel shots with perfect control of distance and stuff. That's the stuff that's just sick. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, like, do you have a go-to phrase or line or mm. do you have like a joke that you want to, you like say something to your kid or wife at home and you're like, today I'm going to use this word to describe this putt and then you use it later on the radio and just kind of, do you have any kind of fun phrases? Yeah, I wish I could say I did. I mean, it's, it, we, I work with a guy and he actually was the guy that introduced me to PJ to a radio, Fred Albers. And if anybody listens to our coverage, they, Fred's been around forever and Fred's got some humdingers. I mean, yeah. <laughs> he's like, you know, that's a peach, sweet and juicy. I mean, he's like your grandpa calling golf. And I hope, oh, Fred's I, not, I know, I know Fred's not watching because I'm aging sure not. calling him a grandfather, but um, no, he's got some incredible ones and he's had some ones that have gotten him in hot water too, where he just kind of walks it up to the line and it's, it's been a little bit too close for comfort. Um, there's a Katy Perry rejoin song somewhere in there about California girls in bikinis one year. That's a, that's a really good, it's a really good one. It's, it's gotta be floating around out there on the internet somewhere, but yeah, he's got some stuff that just comes so organically to him. And to me, I always, I've always felt like I react sort of emotionally and I don't want to have any catchphrases. Um, sure. the only thing that I will actually script is I will script winning calls. I know a lot of people talk about this with Jim Nance a lot of times on the TV side mm -hmm. of things. I think it's only fair in that moment because it's so archived that if you prepare something that's still, I mean, you have to deliver it to where it doesn't feel like you're reading it off a script. Uh, I'll give you guys one. And I, I, I hope that I don't get in hot water for this again. I've already said it on the air, but when Patrick Reed won at Torrey Pines um, this year, mine was pretty clever. I did the whole thing. He wins the sort of tournament. And I said, he rules the weekend at Torrey Pines <laughs> was my, um, was my end on that one. And my producer was like, okay, I see what you did there. So those are the little <laughs> things we take up a little bit of liberty um, with some of the stuff to have some fun with it. But no, I mean, I, uh, I actually had a, a listener one time when I was hosting talk shows on Sirius XM that suggested one from his group and I've stolen a lot and I call it um, a prime golf shot. So like a really good piece of meat, you know, it's a prime cut of meat. So yeah, I'll say juicy. that was a really, yeah, that was a really prime shot, grade A, spectacular, that type of thing. So I did okay. steal that once from a guy and I guess that's probably the closest I have to a catchphrase, but no, I don't have any really good ones that, that I come to mind necessarily. Well, we can send them to you. We'll DM you our, our, our suggestions. We'll just come up with some. I will steal anybody's content anytime, any place, and use it. And I will attribute it. Don't worry. I mean, it's, it's fine. There's no royalty checks or anything, but I'm happy to just give you the love. That's fine. <laughs> you mentioned earlier, um, you know, just having fans back, right? Last week, like the TV was just amazing. It just felt different. There was the, You could feel kind of their presence there on the golf course. Um, do the players feel that and kind of feed off that? And who do you think um, sort of feeds off that energy the best? Brooks. 
I mean, <laughs> he's the one guy that can channel a moment better than anybody else right now, which I think is is the most important. I mean, he's got the he's got the characteristics of someone that we can't measure statistically, which is very rare, I think, on a in a professional sport where the guys are very predictable. I mean, in a lot of respects, mm -hmm. um, he does things and is, can elevate and his ebbs and flows sort of defy the logic that we're trying to apply to the sport. So he's talked about it. Rory McIlroy has obviously talked about it. Now Rory's played good enough golf to where I don't really know if you can pinpoint his struggles on not having fans there, but it's really the guys that have gotten accustomed to having mass galleries and stuff following them, the hum that comes with it. It's quieter now for them than before. Now you go and talk to, and I don't, you know, name any of the other 90% of guys on tour on Thursdays and Fridays, they don't have anybody out following them to begin with. So it hasn't been that big of a difference. Uh, you know, and it's, it's, it's crept into the narratives a lot about some of the younger guys, like would Colin Morikawa be as successful as he has been if there would have been fans at his first major win? You know, there were a few at concession a couple of weeks ago. I contend his game was going to win no matter whether there were fans or not, but I think it's a fair argument still to sort of make. So it'll be interesting to see now because it's been so long. Like a lot of guys used it, I thought, as an excuse or a legitimate reason early. Well, eventually everybody adapted to the way that it was. So, you know, how will it change in the next couple of weeks? Yeah, I think it'll just make for better theater. It'll make for better reactions. It'll make for better calls. It'll make for better things all over the place. But I don't think it's going to completely change or do anything to the golf product. All right. Now, before we get yelled at by some dude on Twitter that we didn't get to the betting board right away, like, sorry, gosh, but do you bet? Are you a better? I am. Uh, I do bet. Uh, I had to have, I did have a conversation um, last year when I really shifted my podcast to a weekly format. I've gone back to the, my traditional, because I, I just realized that there's so many good, smart people who are investing the time like you guys are in picks that going into a weekly pick sort of market to me was just sort of driving me away from the conversations I was having on my podcast. And mm -hmm. so when I went into it last year, I definitely brought it up with the powers of B and look, it's, it's kind of become full go everywhere. I mean, it'd be hard for the PGA tour to have a real problem with anybody doing it in their private life when it's now so publicly available from a sponsorship sort of standpoint. Um, now I will say this, I'm old school. I think from a broadcasting standpoint, I'm not betting huge amounts. I'm betting. I'm betting to stay fresh in, in in learning and trying to analyze and pick winners. But you know, my my winner outright bets have never exceeded. I don't think I've ever placed more than seven or eight bucks on a guy to win a golf tournament. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, hand to God, honestly. You know, I mean, cool. yeah, five, exactly. 10, five, 10, maybe twenty dollars on matchups, which is kind of where I'm leaning these days. Okay. I'm having a lot more fun in the matchup market than I am in the outright in the top five in the top 10 markets. But yeah, I bet. But at the same point in time, like this is a hard week to bet anyway. So I think yeah. since I'm going to be on the ground working the players, it'll probably be, you know, maybe a DFS lineup here or there, but weeks where I'm not on the ground, I, I can get a little bit saltier with, you know, some of the work, some of my stuff I'm laying out there, but the weeks that I am working, the last thing I want to do is be calling a guy coming down the stretch that I need to lose because <laughs> the guy that's in the lead yeah. is going to win me, you know, $600 if he wins the golf tournament. Like I think that I'm professional enough that that won't impact me. But the last thing right. I want to do is put myself into that position and realize, oh shit, I'm not capable of being professional in this moment. So yeah, that's where I kind of limit things right now. I love that. So you mentioned your podcast. You host the podcast called The Perfect Number. Is there, and Chad and I talk about this a lot, what's the perfect number for you in terms of like outright betting? What's the sweet spot? Are you top there, of the yes. board? 
are you middle of the board or do you like the long shots? What's that number hmm. for you, Will? Yeah, you know, it was it was like DJ at Riviera the other week, right? You're like, oh, he's got to win this golf tournament. Like, I got to take him at six to one or seven <laughs> to one or whatever he was. And then it's like, but do I? Like, do I really? <laughs> Um, you know, I think, I think the sweet spot for me always kind of falls in my eye seems to attract somewhere to the 18, the 27, the 30 to one sort of frame, depending on strength of feel like this is a great week. You know, I mean, this is a week where you're probably going to be able to pluck a winner at 30 to 40 to one because the field is so deep. Now, could that mean that whoever's, you know, the guys at the top of the board wins? Sure, they could. But I think that you know, there's always better sort of value. It's the weeks where it's like, you know, Bryson last year at Detroit, which um, I worked and I did bet him at the beginning of the week to win. So, you know, <laughs> I think he was six to one. Yeah. Um, and that was it actually, I'll, there's a story that I was in DraftKings was doing the um, all the promo bets. Like if you bet a certain amount on a guy mm -hmm. when you got how many dollars per shot under par that he was going to be back as mm -hmm. a free bet. So I think I did roll a $25 on him at six and a half to one to win and mm -hmm. got that one. Plus he was like 27 under. And so that turned into like a $50 <laughs> free bet. And this is a funny story, which I rolled into a four and a half to one bet the following week at workday that it would go into a playoff, just like a random Shut one. Up. It's, memorial, it's memorial, you know, it's Muirfield village, <laughs> the hard golf course. They always end up going to a playoff. And that was the week when JT had a three shot lead over Morikawa and yeah. Coming down the stretch, I went outside, was splashing around in the pool with my kids, had no idea what was going on. Come back in and go, Morikawa won in a playoff. And I go, Morikawa won in a playoff. <laughs> <laughs> I rolled that bet forward. And that's pretty much oh, been bankrolling my one to two dollar bets for the last, you know, you know, 10 months or whatever it's been. For the whole season, you're gonna have that. Okay, if you're on YouTube or you're on Twitch or Twitter, you can chat along live, and we've already got a contest going that you can win 20 bucks to jock market if you just share your favorite memory of the pod so far in our short existence and put your jock market name we're going to choose a winner for that so just tweet a little thing right there on the side and hey we have questions will we got one from Stuart scott stewart okay he says how well let me see if i can show this how well does the pga translate to radio compared to other sports yeah that's a tough one um yeah. <laughs> I love the, I love the format. I love radio. It, it's what I started doing. I, it it's selfishly I love it because it's the one sport where the play I play guy gets to be in control. Like we're in charge because we have to be the ones that tell the story. When I'm doing a game on TV, I'm tr really trying to get out of the way, let the pictures tell the story, and let my analyst, if he or she is any good, sort of be the one that talks. On radio, you have to be the one that's telling everybody everything. I think golf has the potential to be one of the greatest sports on radio if we allow it to be both conversational and play-by-play. -play. Uh, we call a ton of shots every week on PGA Tour Radio. And so I think that jumping back and forth can be good for just the basics of the tournament, but we struggle sometimes with um, some of the, in the incredible things going on behind the scenes because, you know, number one, our goal is just tell you what's going on in the golf tournament. So that's not a complaint. That's just saying the sport is so big, it's so robust. It's why I roll my eyes when everybody – complains that you know how do we miss someone so seeing that shot on a tv coverage it's like you got 18 flipping holes with you know six miles of fiber and even with wireless cameras going anywhere it's the world's hardest sport to broadcast because it's not confined to a space it's not confined to a diamond or a square or a rectangle and so i guess the roundabout way to say how does it compare to other sports is it's, it's significantly more complicated but i think it has the greatest potential 
because it's not one ball and one singular piece of action that's going. There's layers, there's complexity. We can peel away that onion and talk about the psychology of the moment, what's going on on one side of the golf course, how you know the conditions are approaching. And we have to use our words to describe what that looks like and have that palette in front of us. But the, the, the honest answer to that is we still struggle with that because we're trying to cram so much in to this linear audio delivery system to the listeners that, you know, a lot of the shots I called you on radio are on tape because they're taking place while someone else is calling another shot or we're in a commercial or mm -hmm. something. So I have to keep that pretty concise so we don't bog down the broadcast. So I'm not telling you the color of the grass and exactly where the wind is and the smell of hot dog coming from the vendor. <laughs> so I can't, I'm not doing a perfect job painting that masterpiece with my words. Uh, but the potential is definitely there to make it as as beautiful as you can make an audio program be because golf has that many layers in live action. Okay. I like that answer a lot. Um, let's shift gears to TPC Sawgrass. What type of like, what's the ideal player asset fit for this type of golf course? Are we looking for guys who, who their strength is off the tee? Are we looking for approach players, ball strikers, putters, um, in your eyes, I guess, who's the ideal fit or what type? Yeah. Veteran ball controller who's playing good golf right now. Like they're, like that's sort of my nutshell way of doing it. I did this research. I got to pull up the notes, guys. I, have, I came prepared with notes. Hold on. Nice. Because I did this last year. There's been, let's see, um, we didn't have a player's champion last year. So in the month leading into the player's championship, so the month leading up to when the players is contested, the winner has missed one cut total since 2011 of the winners one cut total missed in the month of play leading up to it so 16 of 17 cuts made in the month that's a calendar month not a four tournament stretch or wherever it is sort of moving in so you have to have right. guys who are sort of in contention then if you just look at these strokes gained you know data through the years and stuff of guys who have been incredibly like sergio's got an incredible record here adam scott has an incredible record here guys who are long enough off the tee but also like sergio is an incredible driver of the golf ball because he can work it both ways and this golf course demands that you can work the ball both ways and keep it accurate so it's you know why is dj taking a while to sort of learn this golf course a little bit well because dj moves the ball one way off the tee and it doesn't necessarily benefit you to bomb it a whole lot so when rory figured out the golf course Rory is, you know, stupid long, but he's also the best driver of the golf ball arguably ever. So Rory knows what he can do with the golf ball off the tee. So when I say it's not just ball strikers, it's ball control sort of guys. It's why, you know, Fred Funk can be successful here at the same time that Rory McIlroy could be because both of them are controlling it. I, you know, I'm loyal to the PGA Tour. I hold no bones about that one. If this was run by any organization other than the PGA Tour, we talk about how perfect of a golf course this is to decide a champion each and every year. Like it is the perfect test to determine who is playing the best golf that week in one of the best fields. So you have to control your ball. You have to be playing pretty well. And shout out to Ben Coley, who I think had the tweet this weekend that I quote tweeted because he went back and saw how many years guys typically play. You don't see a lot of rookie winners here. It's six, seven times you've gone around this track be able to get it done so that's why i say veteran in terms of it now does that mean that colin morikawa isn't going to win this week no like colin morikawa is a stud like he can win every week and it's actually probably a really good golf course for him because he doesn't have to overpower it but that's where i kind of look at so you know who fits that mold of guys that have been around here four or five times playing really good golf that you really trust to hit a golf shot both off the tee and with the second shot 
every time they tee up, uh, they step over it. Okay, so then Bryson, he just won. He's kind of a veteran. Is he going to be able to bomb it around this place? You just mentioned that he might not be able to, but come on, we want to see him hit it over some water and entertain us. <laughs> yeah, but, but it's like, where do you bomb it? I remember standing behind him last year when he was in the practice round, and he's up on two, trying to rope one down there and hit a draw, which is a, a great hole for him to be able to bomb it on, right? Yes. Uh, but like, you know, one, he can carry the bunker down the right-hand side and leave a little bit of a wedge there. So you see those advantages, but then you go play through three, the par three, four, you run out of space down there. There's really no real estate. It doesn't necessarily benefit him more than anybody else. You just have to find that fairway. And you've got a lot of holes there where it's really about just putting it in a position to be able to attack. But he did a really good job of it last week at Arnold Palmer. Like he picked his spots. He said, look, every day on five, I'm going to blast it down here as far as possible. If the wind allows me, I'm going to blast it as far left as I can at six, but he was still patient in spots. Like, I don't think people give him enough credit for when he knows to rip it or not. This is just a golf course that I don't think provides as many holes for him to have that huge stroke gainer off the tee like he had last week. Like last week is a prime example of the longest, straightest guy in average weather conditions is going to dominate Bay Hill. It's a driver's paradise Hmm. at Bay Hill. We've seen it with what Tiger and Rory and all these other guys have done. Bryson was on that short list for a reason last week. Um, I don't know. I, I, and I think there's a hangover effect this week too for Bryson. So you have the unique position kind of inside the ropes. And anyone who's ever been that close to the action at an NBA game, right on the football sidelines, it's different, right? You can kind of feel the intensity of just being that close to what's happening in front of you. Who's like on tour, would you say is is the most intense, prepared, focused guy out there? Um, you know, through eighteen holes through a round. Wow, I mean, there are a lot of guys that really put the blinders on, and we, you know, probably have no idea that you're there or anybody else is sort of there. Um, you know, Jordan Spieth has an intense, it has a real intensity to him, a game face standpoint. It's it's incredible to me because it's uh, Jordan. I don't think sees the broadcaster to see the other people that are there, but still has that moment where he looks up and will acknowledge the fan who said, Hey, good shot or whatever it is. And then if you see him when he's not doing that, like he is boom, like right there, back to Michael, like what's going on? Like he, his brain is working at a very active sort of rate to sort of stay engaged. So he always comes to mind somebody that's in the game. Is he aware, Will, that like, because he talks so much, right? And we hear everything he says. He's got comments about every shot. He's talking to Michael. And, like, these hot mics are catching everything. And it's great for the viewer. Is he aware that, like, everything he's saying is being heard? Or is he just so much in the moment he's kind of tunes that out and just does his thing? I'd like to say he doesn't give a shit. But yeah. I don't know if that's necessarily <laughs> for sure. But I say this all the time with Bryson. I mean, Bryson has to be contemplating and calculating because he has to have somewhere for that energy to go. That brain energy and that thought energy has to go somewhere. Jordan has fidgety energy. Like it has to go somewhere. So he processes it through what he's saying. And what makes both of them so fascinating to me, and I guess a little bit polarizing to fans, is that they're very different from what the model is of a traditional great golfer. Like most really successful golfers are very monotone you know, they, they are able to, they always have the blinders on. Like, they shoot 62 and you talk to them afterwards and there's no excitement. Like if Jordan Spieth shoots 62 or Bryson shoots 62, the smile on their face, they're talking to you, they're looking at you like, yeah, well, that was a great, you're right. Like I had a really good shot here. I did a really good shot here. And then it's, you know, like Kyle Stanley shoots 63 and Kyle Stanley's nicest guy on the planet, 
but he's like, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm stuck with the gameplay. I hit my fairways, you know, <laughs> hit my iron shots. And that's just who he, like his personality just doesn't ebb and flow. And we really only see some guys ebb or flow and it's when they're in contention, right? It's on Sunday. It's the first time when all of a sudden they're thinking about something other than just the process to steal an overused term in the industry that then you kind of see emotion creep into it. Whereas guys who I think have learned to battle all their emotions or have to get that stuff out, like AKA Jordan, AKA Bryson, they're pretty good in the cauldron. Like when they put themselves in contention, they find ways to get it done. I mean, Bryson's closing number. I know that Mark Brody hasn't invented the clutch stat yet, but some other people are trying to his strokes gain when he's leading or around the lead on Sunday is really stinking good. And we, you know, for somebody that overthinks it too much, like, no, like he's doing what he needs to do to be prepared. So then are we going to bet on Jordan Spieth at the players? Cause he is coming in hot. I'm liking what I'm seeing about Jordan Spieth's performances. I'm in, I like him this week. Are you going to go in on him? Jordan Spieth win the players. Let's go. And, uh, this is this is where we say like how do we think about course history right because outside yeah. of oh, sure. you know the duel with Martin Keimer it's been it has been rough at Sawgrass but hasn't it been rough in Jordan. his normal life too like it's not just here it was sort of yeah, everywhere well, well I mean his first players was in 2014 and he almost won the thing and then he had his super year in 2015 and I don't have it in front of me but it oh, wasn't sure. like his one missed, missed cut. cut like yeah yeah it was like his one bad tournament in the one of the greatest seasons in modern PGA Tour history so sure. he doesn't have the great success there and the thing that I still it's been great. It's been awesome. It's great for the sport. I still just, there's a foul ball waiting to happen. And the foul mm. ball at Sawgrass, I think is even more mm. penal than the foul ball at Arnold Palmer. I know that there's a lot of water at Bay Hill, but there's places to miss. Like you can stand up on three and almost hit it out of bounds right and still be dry. There are holes where you can't go right or left at Sawgrass without bringing, you know, a double into sure. play or a really gnarly sort of second shot that's coming up. So I feel it's getting tighter, but now he's priced in the winner's bracket. Like it was fun to take a flyer on Jordan at 60 or 70 to one. Like, I mean, you guys probably have the odds in front of you. Like there are guys around him right now. That's like, no, that guy's got a better chance at winning the players championship than Jordan speed does. Yeah. Well, one guy, yeah, I want to like 28 to one or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, one and so I mean, who's that? Right Hideki in there? there or somebody else? I mean, yeah, he's right around. Hovland is at twenty-eight. You got Jordan at thirty. You got Danny Berger at thirty-three, and Hatton at thirty-five. You could even go to Casey or Reed at forty. Yeah, yeah. matchup bet Berger and Speed. I mean, Berger has a terrible track record at Sawgrass too. So I, I guess I can't really, you know, take that either. But mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. if it's a matchup straight up between Jordan and Berger, and this is the weird thing. This is where you got to take emotion out of it, right? Like the stat guy in me looks at that and says, okay, I have the sample size for a year and a half now on Daniel Berger. Like I trust Berger more than I trust Jordan Spieth, even though what I've seen the last couple of weeks. And that's sort of sacrilegious to some, but that's just kind of the way that I feel because I can I can trust Daniel Berger to hit the control shots and I'm still waiting for the snap hook on 18 or the block right somewhere, like you know, what, 14 maybe that Jordan's going to have that's going to you know cost him two or three shots when it matters. Or he doesn't have a hole in one. Yeah, it doesn't chip in out of a bunker. I mean, that's the that's the incredible thing. I mean, that round on Saturday, it's you know, a hole out from the bunker and a hole in one. I mean, that's just that's two lucky yeah. add-on shots. You know, you ask a guy who holds out from the fairway and you give it to him in strokes gain terms, the guy's gonna be like, look, just subtract one off it. The fact that the ball goes in <laughs> is luck, and that extra one because it went in, you know, shouldn't be factored into what the sort of total is. I mean, let the players talk about this too, you know, when sure. you break it down to them. 
Um, so yeah, so that's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's been a wild ride, but, um, I would expect him to be relevant for a period of time this week. I don't know if that's the front nine on Thursday or, you know, (laughs) the back nine on Saturday. I don't know which time it'll be. One guy I wanted to ask you about is, is technically our defending champion is Rory. So I think a lot has been made of his, you know, quote unquote struggles. And there's not many guys that that could get labeled that off back-to-back top tens. Uh, but he mentioned sort of post round that he's considering kind of going in a different direction on certain things. You, you know, what, what does he mean by that? Is he talking about a caddy change? Is he talking about switching out a putter, which we've seen him do a couple of times? Is it something very small or is this more of a big picture thing for Rory right now? I don't know. I mean, the one thing I've always wondered, and I'm, I've become more of a psychological geek over the last year than even the stat stuff i'm fascinated by the headspace is that rory has been so open and honest about striving for balance in his life and being a father and being you know open and honest with you know his life away from golf and separating those and finding happiness and as someone who's kind of gone through the similar sort of late call it a midlife crisis stage of my life of understanding what's important and values and, you know, you know, suppressing your ego as your kids get older and the testosterone starts to seep out of your body and the, you know, the belt gets a little bit tighter. I love everything that Rory has said to us because it's, he's so human, but I've always wondered if that little bit of sacrifice for his own mental well being silenced whatever sort of killer, was in him on Sundays. And he's not, and here's the thing, his, it's not in his nature. Like he is not a Tiger Woods force when it comes mm-hmm. to, he will do anything at all costs to slay you on Sunday. That's mm-hmm. what Brooks Kepka is. That's what Patrick mm-hmm. Reed is. Those guys have mm-hmm. a rare sort of trait and a rare gene. That doesn't make anybody right or wrong in this. That's just how they are wired in this. So I do wonder when he says that, is there, I don't, he can't change who he is but does he approach it from a mindset? Does he talk to people there? Because look, I don't think the putting has changed. What he and Brad Faxon are doing, I think is really working. I think the one thing that I would love to see, I don't know if he reads greens that great. And I don't know if mm. having if Harry on the bag, you know, if, if you, you put him with a guy who's a known green reader, like what that would do, you know, for him in the putting, he burns a ton of edges and he yes. looks at it like, I think I hit a really good putt there and that missed. So now I'm starting to, that's where my mind keeps going is that's the one thing. If he made just a couple more 12, 15 footers or didn't miss that occasional six or seven footer, and maybe he's asking himself, what am I doing that's not getting this sort of done right now? So I'm not reading anything into that. I just think that his ball striking is always elite. His results are fine. The two things that I think hold him back are, you know, what one really good hot putting week. And whatever that is that needs to get him over the hump to be, you know, an absolute killer on Sundays. And I don't really know if he, from a mental health standpoint, would want to try and do something differently for Sundays because he's he's in a perfect place. He's in he's in a great happy spot in his life, and I would never ask somebody to change that. But I would be really curious if you know he did something about green reading because I, I just feel like that has to be it because the stroke looks good. The work that he's put in with facts looks really really good. So. What's next? Is it just that you're you're missing your line by an inch or two? Mm-hmm. Okay, <clears throat> a veteran can win it here. You've mentioned that maybe that's probably what's going to happen. But then, does that mean we can't click on Zalatoris this week on DraftKings, or is a guy like that never going to win here? 
how is this is this is how bad it is like i'm a pga tour radio guy and how's he in the field like how did he qualify like, how's the, how the <laughs> yeah, non-member right. like qualify like, because he has enough true. non-member points if he was a member so that's i mean i guess that's how it is because he's high enough in sure. non-member points to be able to get that invite and there's some he's special it's the crazy system, to me well it's crazy to me that like he's in the players. Like I mean, six yeah. months ago we were starting like GoFundMe campaigns to try and get him starts because of how well he was playing on the Corn Ferry Tour and his play is just sort of taking <laughs> care of itself. I mean, it's I'm like I, he's got so much looking forward to him. It's like can we just hop off the bandwagon and like last year's Will Zalatoris is this year's Brandon Wu? Can we just like get Wu all the starts that he needs to be like the 2021 <laughs> okay. Will Zalatoris? I mean, what's going on here? Or maybe like Taylor Pendrith? Like he's the poor man's Will Zalatoris, right? So like I don't know it's um he he has the game so much of his strength is like he is crazy long I mean he is whipping that tiny little thin torso through there and generating <laughs> some clubhead speed like nothing else and so I do wonder with you know trying to learn the spots and and where to go and where to place it and where to hit it and he's a really good I mean he's one of Scott Fawcett's first guys I mean Scott mm. caddy for him at the U S junior oh, when right, he won yeah. it. So he's been, he's been a decade guy for a long time. So he's going to be prepared in terms of course strategy, no doubt, but there's so many things to learn about around the greens and you can't bludgeon the course to death. And Zalatoris is so good off the tee and with those irons that, um, no, it's, it's a huge field. It's a massive field. I don't expect him to win against this field. And he's, I mean, he's like, he's getting priced like a guy that you would expect to win. And he's still not a full-time member of the tour. It's crazy. Right. So I mean, he's he around. Probably, Let's just see who he's around real quick, because I mean, this is kind of funny. Like, you got Will Zalatoris. He's like next to Louis, or even uh, Answer, or Garcia. Adam Scott is eighty to one. So, wouldn't you just lean those guys? I I would definitely. I mean, I'd take Sergio hasn't missed a cut here in what sixteen straight starts. Right. Um, Adam right Scott's a winner, and I think he's like a top ten machine the last couple of years. Yeah, I would. I would trust veterans around this golf course. The weather looks perfect, by the way. Um, okay. And I don't really know what that means. Like, you know, sometimes like some weeks it's like, okay, well, if the weather's really bad then you know, you can eliminate a bunch of guys. Like, I think if the golf course plays the way that it is and um, anybody that follows me on Twitter, I'll be sending inconspicuous weather reports and rough height um, yeah. intel and stuff <laughs> on Wednesday when I walk around the golf course. But um, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know with, with it being played in a, 10 to 15 mile an hour wind, maybe maximum this week and plenty of sunshine and no rain. Um, you know, I like the guys who know their way around that property because there's nothing that's really going to get in their way of doing what they know needs to get done to be successful on that golf course. I mean, Sergio's a, an enigma. The putting's bad enough, but dude's going to crush a ton of fairways. You know that and he's going to hit a whole bunch of really good iron shots and he knows what it takes around there. So, but that's the conservative veteran me is that I will always look at those numbers and say, okay, I know what Sergio and Adam Scott can get me on this golf course. Uh, I would trust them more than Will Zalatoris and I could be wrong, but I'm not, I'm not going to be mad about the pick because um, I don't think this is a field where you really take a flyer. Yep. Well, speaking of flyers, uh, we talked oh, a little shit. bit about the top. We talked about the middle. Chad and I like to bet long shots, Will. Yeah, just you got to. It's got fun, to. right? We throw a couple yep. bucks on a it. Dollar. And they kind of yeah. get in there in contention a little bit. Look, we have a little bit of history here of long shots. We obviously have Siwoo, who was like 250 to 1. Um, Furick last year was a huge number and almost chased down Rory on Sunday. I'm sorry, I guess technically two years ago. Yeah. Anyone, triple digits, fancy, any sort of um, sleepers? Um, I mean, let's go with recent form guys, right? 
I mean, mm -hmm. because of the giant side of the field, I mean, Corey Connors is my guy. I'm a ride and die Corey Connors guy. Um, he showed enough with the putter last week and the greens are going to be better this week than they are. Cause that Bermuda at Bay Hill can get a little bit, um, can get a little bit bumpy. Um, so I know Corey's going to be down there a little bit. I really like, and I know that he violates my, uh, playing really well cause he missed the cut last week. But prior to that, I got to imagine we got value on Billy Ho this week. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so again, a guy with a lot of experience, uh, underrated in terms of how he moves it off the tee, but good grit. I like the fight. I like kind of where he is. It, it sort of seems like, and this is where I go to storyline type stuff. I don't think Billy Horschel is going to win a major. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey. I, I think that there's, I think there's a lot of, there's just a lot of traffic in front of him to be able to do it. And Billy is, is again, he fits in that Rory category, honest, open, amazing person, somebody that's very, very easy to root for. I love everything in the world that is Billy Horschel, a guy who took, you know, sort of family tragedy and they turned it into an opportunity to help others and be public, whereas so many in his position would have probably gone insular with it and done nothing about it. Um, so I, I appreciate everything that Billy Horschel is. He's one of the most honest guys out there. It sort of just feels fitting that the players would be the tournament that would sort of define his career, right? Like I just don't see him winning a U.S. Open. He's not, he's not big enough to win a Masters because the Masters kind of eliminated ninety percent of that field when you break down who can win it. So you're sort of running out of majors that would make sense there. It just seems tailor made that there'd be a players in Billy Horschel's um, arsenal. So I, I don't know if that's totally a long, long shot. Um, Richie Rowenski. Let's throw out a long shot name. I think Holy he's got a. I think he's a he's at least. One, I think it's a positive strokes gain guy here in a couple of trips. I think Richie's two for two on cuts with, I think, like a plus one and a half strokes gain total on the field here. And he played well last week. So, you know, there he's you go. He's 300 to one. Well, you could get a dollar Boom. on there that. There you go. Sure. Let's go. That's a First long, time long shot. Let's make it happen. Um, I like the Warwinski thought. I love the Billy Ho thought. Like, this is a pro. Well, I'm a pro Billy Ho guy. So, that's, I'm all for that. That'd be great. I'll put a little dollar on that 80 to one. But, Will, we need to know. Before we kick you out of here, who on a Monday evening prior to, you know, you got you can change your opinion uh, publicly, but on this show right now here and today, who is your preferred play for the players? Um, I'm only going to say this to um, to jab at my buddy, Rob Bolton, who writes for PGA Tour.com because he put his power rankings out. And there was a guy that I was thinking about this week picking and he didn't even crack Rob's top 20. And I had to read it oh, six Rob. times to be able to get her to be able to figure it out. Um, Patrick Cantley. Yeah, let's go. I love that. Already in. First pull of the day for me, he was. Yes, yeah, seriously. Yeah, I got like, a 25 I mean, to 1. Now, he hit a couple of foul balls when he was in contention at Pebble. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, it, again, it was like the food poisoning or whatever it was that cost him at concession, which I thought was going to be a pretty good golf the course hydration. for him. Yeah, yeah the, the, I mean, all that sort of stuff. So, I mean, I, it's that's one of those where we know that he's a load management guy, too. I mean, he just can't play that many golf tournaments. So, I actually kind of appreciate the fact that he didn't get beat up at concession and then has two weeks off to prepare for it. It would seem like this is a good golf course because of the way that he controls his golf ball. There's just been one or two sort of blips here in 2021, but he's still just racking, you know, top five, top 10 sort of performances. So it to me is one of those golf courses where he can't be overpowered by a DJ or a, I mean, Kepka's not in the field, but some of those guys that I think eliminate Patrick Cantlay some weeks, it's, it, it makes sense that this would be a golf course that he would thrive on. So I've seen some love for him, but then I've seen some people that have completely ignored him. So since Rob had completely ignored him, then I'm just going to go, you know what? Patrick Cantlay wins the players. Love, Love it. With Xander in second. 
Of course. Yes, Mr. Second. <laughs> and then to- top five Tony. Clearly somewhere. Top five Tony. Top yeah, somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> so, Will Haskin, thank you for joining us. Everybody loves PGA Tour Radio. Even Carl Marks, our guy, he says PGA Tour Radio is the best. It is the best. I even listen to it while I'm watching. I just mute those people and listen to Will. That's what you should do. Will, tell us your We're schedule this weekend. Free on the app, guys. PGA Tour app. You just, you know, you listen for free. So if you're mowing the grass or doing whatever, you don't even have to have a Sirius XM subscription. You I was just going to say that. I love mowing the grass listening to PGA Tour radio. There you go. You think I'm not showing houses on Sunday afternoons and it's ruining my life, but I can at least <laughs> get the PGA Tour radio on my car. It's great in between the houses. So, hey, follow Will Haskett at Will Haskett. You can listen to him this weekend on PGA Tour radio. And, Will, you provided amazing information for us and our fans and our followers and our listeners are very uh, grateful for you for showing up for us. And you can come back anytime. You're welcome to be back here. But if you aren't coming back here and you never, we never see you again, we can follow you each and every week on your own podcast called The Perfect Number. And that can be downloaded yeah, on the iTunes network and everywhere else. Let's go. Perfect every, number. Everywhere else. And I appreciate you guys doing this because I've become very lazy for my podcast audience this year. So this is my preview for the players. So whatever this is, this is me. This is, this is it. And this is great. Like I'll come back anytime because now I can just go to bed. I don't have to edit it and post it and write the description <laughs> or anything to it. I don't have any sponsor <laughs> obligations tonight. Like I'm literally just going to shotgun the rest of this beer and I'm going right to bed. So I appreciate you guys so much for that because you just saved me like 45 minutes worth of work. I'm tired. I've done two basketball games today and three selection shows yesterday. I got to pack a bag to go to Sawgrass. So God bless you guys and your audience. Well, we know now we got to bet on Billy Ho. We got to bet on Patrick Cantlay. We're going to do it. We're going to win big. We'll see you next week or next time, whenever you want to come back. All right. Thanks, guys. See you, Will. Thanks, Thanks, man. (laughs) Will Haskett. Holy shit. A real person? That was great. I mean, like I couldn't kick him off. That was pretty good, right? Yeah. The guy's a legend. This is what this dude says. Uh, he was really good. I really enjoyed talking to him. So hopefully we can get him back some time. He had great picks. He had great information. Uh, and he was fun. He drank a beer with us. That was cool. Okay. So then shall we make the turn? And when we were talking earlier, we were talking about giving away money. And we're giving away $20 now and $20 at the end. We're giving away jock market money. And in fact, there's been a couple of people who have commented the rules are joe you got to comment on the side your favorite moment of the pod so far and you get some jack market money it's easy you could say i loved christina kim's interview i loved when you had the chicken suit on i love when you had a bunch of other guests whatever your favorite guest was whatever stewie scott scott stewart deserves the money he's always here he's commenting along and he commented the chicken suit was definitely a must-see moment I love it. And he put his his jack market handle there. Great job, Stu. You fulfilled all the requirements. Um, 20 bucks. Make sure that we get your account credited 20 bucks. There's still time for the rest of you guys. We'll try to, uh, I don't know, maybe randomize the last one, but give us your favorite moment of the show so far. If you're new to jack market, we'll give you 20 bucks by using the code PL20. Um, That will get you 20 bucks. If you've been in the jack market for a while and you really know what's going on, like the rest of us, uh, Comment, comment, give us your favorite part of the show and we'll get you 20 bucks that way. Appreciate you guys. Okay, Joe. Let's make the turn. It's like, it, I mean, like seriously, like this is legit. This is the betting board for the players championship. It is not a joke. It is a real tournament. The players are being paid a lot of money, so they might care. Yeah. And at the tippity tip top this week, 
as it has been several times this season, Dustin Johnson, he is at, what is he, 12 to 1? Yep. 12 to 1. I mean, we've seen him at 8. We've seen him at 6. We've seen him at 9. Here he is at 12 because the under 20 to 1 names are juicy. And Bryson, last week's winner, he's at 15. He's here. Same with Rom. Rom is probably due to win this thing. He was in contention with the Rory year and he flew it into the water or whatever it was. You got Rory there too. You got Xander. Well, no, that's the 20. He's 20. So we're not going to talk about him yet. We're going to talk about the guys under 20 to 1. We're going through the betting board. If you like and subscribe, that would be great. If you rate and review and retweet and all that stuff, maybe I'll retweet so that people can know that we're talking about the betting board. Joe, do you have anybody at the tippity tip top? Go ahead. You retweet. I'll talk about the top of the betting board here for a little bit. So, uh, Dustin, right? Course history, Mm -hmm. not great, like Will mentioned. Um, but 2019, so the last time this event was played in full, uh, the only player in the field that week to have four rounds in the 60s. So maybe he figured it out. Uh, T5 that week. I, I don't know, right? Um, I don't think I can bet him 12 to 1 right now. The current form has just been a little bit shaky. The last couple of starts, uh, barring the win overseas, Um Look, he lost at concession, was it? Yeah, he, he we didn't talk about it enough, but he lost 10 strokes putting over there, uh, which is insane. Yeah, so Bermuda is not On purpose, great. though. He was just like, I don't care anymore. It's I'm just, just I don't he likes Bermuda grass, which is weird because oh, yeah, he lives true. here, but um, he just doesn't putt well on there. If you look at his splits, Rory, um, I think he's getting an unfair knock for playing poorly. He kind of set himself up for it with those comments, but um, like we talked about earlier with Will, anyone back to back top tens, great form, obviously. Uh, and then you have, you know, essentially Rom, who I'm not going to bet this week, but I see very good reasons for betting. I skipped them all and started in the 20s uh, with Patrick Cantlay. Like Will said, first pull of the day for me was 22 to 1, got him there. I feel like he's going to be a community bet. Uh, I, you could kind of say he's a Pete Dye specialist. He's played really well on Pete Dye tracks sort of throughout his career. Obviously, the last time he played a Pete Dye course was at the Amex PGA West, and he set the course record last time he set foot on the course. Opening round 66 here last year. He's had some success in Florida. Obviously, that round, he kind of burst back onto the scenes at the Valspar a couple of years ago when he had this sort of duel with Adam Hadwin. So um, good track record, lives here like Patrick Cantlay, love the form. Um, everything seems to line up in terms of the suitability for this type of course. Love it because I... Dude, I was listening to uh, our guys, Jeff and Pat. Pat Mayo is a betting podcast he does every Monday. And they asked Tim Anderson, Tim Andercust, who he hates the most. And he was like, Patrick Cantlay. So I was like, yes. It's always yeah. good when Cust hates the guy so you hate. Not cursed, yeah. Yeah, it's brilliant. So that's who I prefer. to here, him. Chad, because we always I talk know. about the elite drift. We're finally getting, they went from 12 to 14 to 16 to 18 to 20 to 1 now. Um, is it time or is, or is something wrong? You know, it goes back to what our guest Will just said about Justin Thomas. You can apply what he said kind of about uh, Spieth and people that you got to be careful off the tee, more yeah. or less. Uh, JT off the tee is not confident and he is hitting it different ways. And if you're going to have, you're not going to have very many bailout situations here. So 
there's why I'm hesitant on him. Now, it is the players, and he does ratchet himself up for these big events so that you could take that 20 and you could be happy about that, that it's not a 12. But in a situation like this, I, you know, with water and all that stuff, I didn't do it. I didn't go to the top of the board. I don't want to do that. I did the Cantlay. I did what you did because I think he's more of a plotter in a way. He's got the irons dialed in. And if you really wanted to go with anybody at the top of the board, well, how could you go away from Rom, dude? He's the one. If you were going to name names at the top of the board, he, Did you he bet needs a big event. I didn't bet him. I didn't, like I okay. said, I didn't bet anybody at the top of the board. I started with Cantlay. And I might put the house on Cantlay. I haven't decided. Oh. I, dude, I got Cantlay at 25, though. Very nice. Somewhere, someday. Uh, somehow. So I got that at 25 and I'm now I'm seeing him at 20. So I might not be able to put enough money to make it the house bet. <laughs> so there's that. But at the same time, I love that. I'm not going to really go with more, you know, Morikawa. I, I, I also think you do need to have a couple rounds here. You have to have experience here before you can really make it a, a thing. So I'm not on that. I, you know, I, I kind of want to do Finau in a weird way. But I, I don't know if I, I – like, that seems stupid, too. I just will just enjoy it if he wins, and it'll be a great story. But I really think that he's the one that if you, like, erase the names and you just look at the form and you look at his results coming in, that Finau number at 22 or 25, whatever you can find it, that's what I like. So I know this is a betting show, but I just think there are – if you want to – if you like Finau and you want to have some money on him and you want to root for him this week, get some jock market shares of him. Play him oh, on there you go. Don't take an outright bet on him. It just doesn't pay off, although it could be fun. But um, that that would be my recommendation to anyone out there who who likes the prospects of Finau this week. Just take him in DraftKings. Take him in Jack Market. Uh, no need to bet him 25 to 1 to win here with all these names. Cool. Well, we'll just uh, do what we did uh, this last week, Joe. And what I do a lot of times is on Sunday morning, I just wake up and I just hammer some guy. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> who was the if guy? Tony's in contention. I'll just hammer him on Sunday morning. I did that with Bryson this week. Did you? Good. Yeah. You you hate that. That's a bad strategy. Don't do that. Maybe. It's a it's a very flawed strategy. But if it's working, <laughs> it's working. Uh, just don't let it don't let it catch up to you. Westwood almost ruined me so badly. It was hilarious. I know. But whatever. Uh, it was a plus two fifty at one point. I was like, oh. but I like a couple of guys in the thirties. Let's do that. The thirties. You got Spieth here and. I wanted to bet on Spieth, but Will Haskett, he's kind of talked some reason into me, and maybe that's a bad idea. But he's at 30. You got Berger, too. Florida guy, straight vibing down here, and he won recently. He's 33. He got Hatton at 35. And he, well, so who did you like? Uh, so I bet two guys in this range. The first is Terrell Hatton. Um, look, he was like, what, five, six over last week to start his week. Battled back, could have easily just missed the cut and gone home and got here early. Like to see him sort of battle back. Lost five strokes putting on Thursday. He's an awesome putter. Won't happen again. Uh, rated out really well at everything I looked at. Number four in ball striking, number three in approach. Um, world number seven, yet he's the like 15th guy on your odds board this week who yeah, plays strange. Florida, who's closing out wins recently at an incredible rate. So I don't really get why he's priced where he is off of one sort of semi-bad round. Not even really a bad week, just a bad round. So I feel like there's value there at 35 to 1. And then at 40 to 1, they're, they're going to do they're going to put that number on Patrick Reed. We got to get right. Come what on. Coming f- off a yeah, miscut. I don't care. I had him off a miscut at Tory where he won. Um, so don't care about the miss putt. Got there early. Um, you know, 
ninth and a first in his two starts right before the miscut. So he's in good form. It seems like he's he, he's hard to he's hard to quantify because he's always a good putter. But one week he'll have a really really good approach week where he'll gain a ton of on approach. The next week we'll have a really good driving week. Then it'll be all short game. But what we see is he's just he's hard to quantify with stats, but he's just a grinder. He just makes pars when he needs to, and he's a great putter. So all those things kind of line up. I think he's got enough runs around here at this track with not a ton of success, but he's had enough battles at it. I like him anytime that he can kind of get in contention is worth a 40 to one ticket always. Okay, so Charlie R is in the chat and he's on Reed. Yes, to Reed, but Reed actually, Reed. you will see his statistics in his first eight, ten rounds or whatever here are bad compared to the statistics at his last twelve. So uh, if you are trying to get more information to just confuse yourself, you can go to the headquarters of the media for PGA Tour, and sometimes they provide shot link data from the year before, and they give you all these stats. And if you're ever wondering how the Fantasy Golf Pod has some of these stats, I just copy and paste so it's not like i'm looking up some of these things um so you can do that i'll give you a link if you dm us at the preferred lines on uh twitter uh but you can find these stats and some of these stats will help you learn that oh yeah he was really bad to start here and this has helped me over the years where you see a guy's like he's not very good here but then they break it down for you and they say well reed was bad at the first 10 rounds that he played here but the last 12 rounds he's played way better and kuchar's done this before at different places and i bet on kuchar one time and he won because he thought wow so maybe you just go read is getting figured. He's figuring this place out. So I don't know. I'll yeah. On that. We kind of glossed over him too. I see someone comment in the chat, but what are your thoughts on Daniel Berger? Obviously a win. What? Like two starts ago. Seems to be a little bit forgotten about back here Oops. in Florida. Dude. I love burger actually. And I bet burger. I have a small okay. bet on burger. He's going to make the card because of his success recently and his ability to play well and the big moments. And I think that he's a little still pissed that he didn't get into the masters in November. He's got that <laughs> chip on his shoulder and I like him and I like his number. And I think he's, I mean, we've seen him perform statistically and he also has that putting ability. And then you have the grind ability. You have the Florida thing. Like all of this, you have the moment that he wants to prove it. So, like, I like the burger. Uh, and, yeah, thanks for the comment, Grimmy. Comment along. Now, Charlie, don't say that. Charlie doesn't like burger. Charlie only likes my picks. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but he is a big fan of the house bet, he said. Big fan of the house okay. bet. How could you not be? No, I don't. Right. Okay. So anyway, let's go on. Let's keep going. We're going on the betting board. We already talked to Will Haskett. You're going to have to watch the replay because it was the best interview I think we've ever had. Probably. Yeah. I think so. Now, Spieth, the 30 to one. uh, Do we really need to harp on this or not? You can't. We can't do that, man. I know. I thought I could. And then now I'm like coming to my coming to some realizations. I don't think we can. I I would (laughs) like to, but I would have loved to have gotten it. He needed to win when he was 50 or 60 to one. I think he needed to win um, probably the waste management or pebble. Either one of those, he had great opportunities. This full field, everybody's here. All the big boys, not good sports history, water everywhere off the tee. Not the spot for speed at 30 to one. Not for me. Now, he's like 8,600 on DraftKings. That feels more appropriate because he does score a lot. Yeah, so I mean, like on a DraftKings sense, but based on hearing from the expert, 
fuck the guy that's on the freaking course looking around knows what he's talking about like he doesn't like the odds of of speeth to do well so i'm like well i'm gonna he's like, a huge put- speed fan he said so himself. Yeah, exactly favorite guy he's followed him since his college days he's not even on him this week yeah so what are we gonna poo poo our expert guests like we're acting right. like we know things no way all right paul casey though he's played well he's 40 to 1 you got fleetwood at 45 any interest in the euro names at the 40 or 45 no, just because I ended up on Hatton and Reed, I passed on these guys. I think that they're okay. So there's a lot of good players in here: Casey, Hideki, Fleetwood, Fitzpatrick, Scheffler. Uh, he like you can look at all the stats you want, but I want guys who win. And Terrell Hatton wins tournaments. Patrick Reed wins tournaments when they're in contention. These guys may play better consistently on a week-to-week basis, but we're not in this to top 10, not at these numbers on the odds boards. Right. Uh, so they got to they gotta come through, and they got to win. So I, I went with those two instead. Um, I know that Fleetwood's going to be a popular pick off of a good closing round. Everyone wants to root for Tommy. Fitzpatrick's in good form. Um, Cam Smith is up there in good form. Sung Jay loves himself some Florida golf, but yeah, let's um, let's talk about Sung Jay. Um, okay. I do like Sung Jay. I like to bet Sung Jay, um, mm-hmm. but it is going to be tough to bet on him bouncing back from his specific iron play, which has cost him two point yeah. nine strokes, two point three strokes, and three point two strokes in his last three events. His iron play is letting him down. He did. Well, I guess he missed the cut his first time out here, which most people do. The thing that about Sungjae is that he, I mean, like he has the ability to get hot, but when you're coming in with these numbers, uh, it just he's not, I don't, he's not feeling it or whatever. So I don't, I'm not as confident in a outright bet as I would be in a top ten, maybe. Yeah, it's just like stag because I bet him a lot this year. It's just stagnant rounds that he just can't seem to get anything going and and you'll shot tracker it and it'll be like sung jay you know 293 to the middle of the fairway okay this is going to be a birdie op no somehow he ends <laughs> up with a bogey he's got a par five and he's got 220 yards in for his second shot somehow he ends up with a bogey so <laughs> it's not all there but that said it's golf and we know these things all it takes is one week for it to click and you shoot a 64 and you're in contention and then it's just um, keep the keep the foot on the pedal and hold on tight. Um, Neiman kind of jumped out at me right away yeah, as somebody that too. I could consider because, like, he I feel like he could get a win like this. It's kind of like the Billy Hole thing where you're like, oh yeah, Neiman's so good, but like not ready right. to win a major yet necessarily. But he could win this. So like at 66, it kind of made me think. But do you would you ever do that or would you go to Louis Eustazen? So <laughs> I didn't I'm not gonna bet Neiman this week. Definitely drew my eye at that number. I might do I might do Neiman actually. Um okay. I haven't done it yet, but I the, the number immediately stuck out to me. Louis, I think, is interesting. So Louis is a very similar situation to what I mentioned earlier with some of those guys, and I don't think that he's a great outright play here. Top five, top ten. He may be a good play at this number. Um, I think he's going to be a very sneaky play in DraftKings just because he came in last week as very popular in very high form. Now, all of a sudden, the price gets cut because he withdrew. Um, could be a very sneaky play in jock market as well. So um, it, that's Louie, right? I'm not concerned about it. Like some some guys withdraw the morning of a tournament and you see them on the T-sheet the next week and you're like, 
shit, is something wrong here? It, it's just that's just not the case with this guy. I expect him to get yeah. back out there. I expect him to play well, uh, and I expect him to strike the hell out of the ball like he always does. Uh, I heard Mayo and Feinberg speak of answer. Abraham answers at 80 to one. And our guy, Tony is asking about him. Do you have any interest in answer? No, I haven't seen like much of a spark from answer since sort of um, for, for a little while here. So no, I'm not on answer. There's some other names uh, down there in that range that, that I, I bet. And, and I'm interested in. Okay. Let's, let's hear them. Cause we're getting long here. I mean, it's over an hour, but nobody cares. It's the players. It's fun. Now the long shots you could choose. I mean, we talked about Billy Ho with will uh, Sergio's got skill and game and makes cuts here, but do, can he win at this age? And then Adam Scott's up here. You got Salatoris, yeah. you got Harris English, Kevin. Nah. Who did you choose? Who did you click? So passed on Corey Connors. Although I thought about it, didn't pass on Sergio love surge this week. Uh, Course history check. I think he makes a really good top ten, top twenty play this week. Like like Will said, fantastic driver of the ball. So he sets himself in play. He just loses a shitload of strokes putting all the time. But if you look throughout hmm. his career at the Players Championship, he has some really good putting performances. Um, hmm. it's plus three point six the last time he played. Plus three point seven. That may, like the year before. That may not sound like a lot. But at concession, he lost like eight strokes putting. And that's like a normal event for him is like minus three to four. So it, he's such a good approach player and such a good driver. I think he can keep it in play enough where if he can just remain around uh, field average and putting, he's going to find himself in the top 20. The other guy, actually two other guys that I took, uh, 125 to one, Siwoo Kim. Okay. Don't mind the miscut. Siwoo has his spots. We know this. All the corollary courses set up really well. Um, his aggressiveness is kind of really rewarded here when he plays well. And what you're playing for in 125 to one guys is upside, right? Um, we know the upside with Siwoo. We know it can crash and burn and miss the cup, but he's 125 to one for that reason. The upside is the potential to win. Uh, we've seen it. And the other guy uh, I'm back on, on my guy, Cameron Davis. Uh, finally got the missed cut that I was kind of looking for when I wasn't on him. So he's 140 to one. Yeah, I was like, week. where is he? He's like, yeah, okay. So they got him there at 150. I took him at 140. Um, love the aggressiveness. He has the length to really take advantage and turn some of the holes that some guys are looking for par. He may be looking for birdie on. Um, really good approach and off the tee. Just get in there, get your reps, good miss cut, get in there a little bit early. Um, and he's been great in DraftKings. Like over the last, I think, six to eight tournaments, fifth in DraftKings points overall. So I think he makes a great play there. Okay. Um, I'm going to tail, tail EPAC Golf, our friend Eric Patterson. He works for The Score, and we've had him on the pod before. He's a great guy, and he uh, likes Harris English at 110 to 1. Oh, and I, I kind of don't blame him. What? I hate Harris English. Why, dude? It's Florida Chorus, and he's got it. He had the like letdown, and I think he's ramping back up. And you'll catch him at 110, like a winner okay, when he won. It was 30 or whatever it was. And Joe, we talk about this all the time. We talk about the fact that you can just use these 110 to one guys to hedge on a Sunday morning. I had a Corey Connors bet, of course I did, and I used it in a way. That was partially why I was heavy on Bryson on Sunday morning because I already had 110 to one on for two dollars and fifty cents on Corey Connors. So then I was like. Well, I got that guy over there, you know, you know, I don't really trust this Westwood guy and, you know, whatever. I'll just chuck a bunch of money on Bryson at the last minute at two plus 200 and make a bunch of money back. 
and move on to the next week. And you could do that with a hair in English, 110 to one, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay. What Good about enough. Fowler, though? Can Fowler find the magic? 150. No, no, he's so lost. I don't know if yeah. Ricky. I don't know if Ricky could make a corn fairy cut right now. It's awful. It's, it's been that bad. Um, he should. There's not a number they could put on him that I bet. Now I thought, and I knew that Justin Rose was going to withdraw and not care about that stupid tournament last week. I knew it, and then he did well. Dude, he was doing great, and I was like, okay, I'm eating my words. But then all of a sudden, he became and showed himself as the fraud that he is. But he's here. At 125 to 1. I'm kind of interested in that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. He pissed me off. I think he's on the, he's like, and I don't really normally blacklist people, but he's going to be on the, he's in timeout for a while. <laughs> yeah, he's the worst, isn't he? Yeah, that was shitty, man. That oh was shitty God, to do to Spieth. Like, finish your round. Um, like, just there's so many, like, I, I know. It's like so many guys out there would kill for a, a chance to make you know, 40 grand for a 10th place finish. Like, but it's true. If you're injured, don't play. And you're Justin Rose. If you're there, suck it up, dude. It's fucking MasterCard related. You know that he was shot that commercial. He was done with that on whatever Tuesday afternoon. I think he was embarrassed. And then he was um, like Mm -hmm. pouting that Spieth was luck sacking into a couple of things. And like, I don't know. I wasn't watching it, so I wasn't seeing it live. I just saw the reaction kind of on Twitter. So I guess I, I should have probably watched the whole thing transpire instead of just seeing the after clips. But um, as a person who bet Rose, as a person who had him on DraftKings, as a person who had him in jock market, pissed me off. Yeah, he's a jerk. But as a person who has seen this before from Justin Rose, I will tell you, you have to have amnesia for the Louis and the Rose withdrawal. You have to pretend it didn't happen. You have to drop yourself down from an alien spaceship and you have to see 125 to one. You have to be like, wasn't this guy that's you have to, because he will show up. He'll just do this Jason day style and like win the tournament. And you're, we're all going to be like, what the fuck? Why, why this guy's such a dick, you know? So. It's fair because I said that if I didn't bet him, I'd probably be on it because I said that <laughs> about the number. I said that about the number last week. It's sixty-six to one, which is essentially half. I yes. said you just have to blindly. I don't bet Justin Rose, but I, you just have to blindly take it, um, plug your nose, and put a couple bucks down. Exactly. I. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I would have probably. I'd. I'd probably still bet it if it was sixty-six or seventy-five or eighty or anything less. I don't even care because I think this is fine. This is what he does. He tried to get there early in practice with his coach. It was like, this is something that these dudes do. I swear. It's crazy. But I do like Adam Scott. If you're going to go a long shot or whatever, he's 80 to one and he's won it here. And I think he's played well. He's had thirties and forties in front of his name. So Adam Scott, he's whatever. Decent. Yeah. All right. So then the pod's gone long, but we are happy that you're sticking around. We got 28 people in here. Everybody right now, chat on the side over here and just tell us, hey, I like your pod or here's my jock market name. Uh, type Hit words. Yeah. T- or type words, hit send, and then we'll choose you to win $20. Yep. Right now. You haven't no tried it out that. yet. Use the promo code below and we will give you a free 20 bucks to get started. Uh, basically, f- you know, fantasy golf meets stock market. So you pick your portfolio of players. What's cool about it and what's different is that you every as the when the event starts, this thing just kicks off, right? So 
Um, you can trade, you can add shares, you can sell shares as it goes on. If you want to ditch and get out on a player, you can get back in on a player. You can bid for a guy that you missed out on on the IPO phase. I do a show with Rick on Wednesdays. Uh, we're going to do a big show there too. We're going to give away some more Jack Michael Bucks. We're going to have a really cool guest on this week. I hear he's I hear he's been uh, all over the leaderboards. Who? Cool. Market. So <laughs> we'll find out. Surprise. Yeah, we good. We good. Uh, Joe, you know what? No one's really chatting along, but there are some questions still. There's somebody asking who am I going to put the house on. You'll have to wait and see. It'll be noon on Edina Realty. That's my Twitter page, and I'll see. I, I straight up, not joking you, I was going to put it on uh, Jordan's beat. I really was until <laughs> we'll ask it. Oh, no. I mean, Will knows like more than I know. And if Will is on a Cantley, yeah, maybe I'm on that, him for sure. Yeah, maybe that's a person to consider very closely. Uh, there's no jock market in Canada, or our guy Jesse would be on it. It's coming very soon. He's here for the beers. Cheers to that. Yeah, Jesse, it's on the way. Like everything is in. It's just like they're trying, man. It's just got to get approved by all these people and signed off on before it's official. But it's like any freaking week now. It's coming. Okay, we say so. We have one guy saying "F Rosie." <laughs> Drifters United. <laughs> this guy, he's sucking up. That's what we want. It's the guy who wins. Corey, you're getting twenty bucks because you Corey. sucked up. You said, "Nice job, guys." Looking forward to the show every week, and boom, here we go. And, wow. and he's looking forward to your Thanks, show Corey. with Rick Rungo. So, Corey and Stu, uh, before we get out of here, shoot me a DM with your jock market handle, and I will make sure to get the twenty. $3 deposited and credited in your account for tomorrow that you can use in this week's IPO. Check me out on the power hour. Um, Chad will be our guest this week. Spoil the beans, but um, oh, yeah. If my wife allows me to have three nights or four, I mean, like, how many nights I'm going live all the time. Dude. It's crazy. Uh, great pod says, Tony. I love you, Tony. Thank you for showing up. Carl Thanks, is a good man. man. Carl Marks on Twitter. He is loving the production improvements because if you're watching on YouTube, up, you can Carl? see I'm just doing things, making it yeah. seem like I know what I'm doing. Uh, everyone's having fun. Who lives in Jacksonville? Asked Charlie. So, Charlie, um, I'm interested. I saw you comment on this a couple of times. So, I don't know who you're talking about, but I know a couple of guys who are my guys, and it's Doc and Lanto. I don't know that either. That's what he's, he was, he was asking about Doc, I think. Okay. I know they both live right there by Sawgrass and play the Dives Preserve course in um, Jacksonville Public a lot. So I think okay. that's me, Charlie. I don't know. But yeah, I'm, sure I'm pretty sure guys, that's what he means. It's a popular hey, story. we've got a dude in the Twitch chatting along. He likes JT this Rudy? week. Rudy's in the chat from Twitch. Hell yeah. I didn't even know oh. that we were on Twitch barely. Yeah, we're on Twitch, dude. We're everywhere. We're We're, right. we're worldwide. Who do you think is the chalk of the week on DraftKings? Chalk of the week on DraftKings. I haven't even looked at pricing yet. You tell me. Well, JT is under 10K, so that's a tempting price. Um, yeah, I think you're going to need more of a balanced build. So the Bryson right under that, even at $9,700. So like, I think the 99 97 I think there's going to be some chalk at the 9K range. Yep, Doc lives in uh, Jacksonville. You Maybe guys, that's enough. You get six to six through, right? 154 players, 65-man cut. Going to be a small percentage of six to six this week. Yeah, so like our friend Will said, don't have a stupid 
crazy flyer this week. Like, let's get real and have, you know, your last guy in needs to be a real guy in. Veterans, old dogs. He was a solid guest. If you hadn't, if you joined after the Will Haskett interview, you need to go back and listen and watch that. And that's a guy you need to follow on Twitter at Will Haskett and listen to him this weekend. Joe, should we get out of here? We're done. The players. It's time. Conclusion. Thanks, guys. Good luck this week. Peace. Okay, hold on. Let me add this to the to the stream. Is it working? We should have asked a trivia question. Is on a guitar here. That's a Quagnus riff. Thank you for watching. Like and subscribe, rate and review, retweet, and all the things that we need you to do. We'd appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you next Monday night. It will be actually the Honda Classic. It's a great tournament. It's right around the corner from where you live. We had the DFS Open there. I will be there. I've got bear trap tickets. I've got DFS Open spots to give away next week. Join us back here. Same time. And guess who the guest is going to be? The guest we have at the Preferred Lives next week. Oh, baby. Bring your, bring your crown royal. I'll just tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Peace out, everybody. Thanks for watching. Peace.